Our guest today says it's more important than ever for top leadership to embrace holistic insight. Find out how this could be relevant for you and your company. Join us for episode 189 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And sitting right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's always a pleasure to join you again on Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. Now, Pam, as we're moving into our seventh year of episodes, we're talking more about the importance of leading proactively, proactively into the future. It's more critical than ever to increase our ability to detect and respond appropriately to emerging trends that can signal big opportunities and, of course, potential disruptions. Yes, and one of the most important aspects of being able to do this is developing board management relationships so that they're truly aligned, not just at a certain point in time, but on a continuous basis. Of course. Now, the thing is that the world is changing so quickly that some leaders, both on the board and in the C-suite, have been telling us that it can seem almost impossible to keep up with everything everything they need to know and respond to. There is so much. That's why we're glad to be speaking today with Lawrence Siff. Larry is the CEO of Neptune Advisors, an advisory firm that applies a holistic approach to elevating middle market companies for optimal growth and success. Larry is also the CEO of C-Level Community, a membership-based platform connecting middle market leaders. He's also the founder of the annual Pathway to Platinum Conference designed for CEOs to share best practices in management and oversight. Larry has advised hundreds of CEOs and boards on maximizing corporate value. He holds a wide range of leadership positions in multiple organizations and boards. This includes being a National Association of Corporate Directors Board Leadership Fellow, an independent board member of Mason Companies Incorporated, and being an industry advisor for Silverwood Partners, a boutique investment bank. And this is to name a few. You can read much more about Larry's biography by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 189, and scrolling down under resources. Larry, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me today. This is such an interesting topic, the whole concept of holistic insight. In fact, I read your article, Dare to be Holistic, and I thought that was, that was an intriguing title all by itself. So why don't we start out, though, by what you mean by holistic insight? I define holistic as seeing the whole, how the relevant pieces fit together and allowing a board and CEO to make better decisions that optimize a company's growth and long-term value. 
everyone seems to know holistic health. It's really what caring about the whole person. You know, mm-hmm. if it's holistic health for employees, it could be providing resources related to nutrition, counseling, financial advice. Colleges and universities say they want to see beyond the scores, students right. mm-hmm. as a whole, retail analysts who go beyond the financials and actually visit the retail stores or schools that are even holistic today. Mm-hmm. You know, they're making decisions involving students, teachers, staff, parents, community, so that they can inspire and motivate others. So are you engaging all your stakeholders? And we know that healthy and fit executives are more effective leaders. These are all holistic. Mm -hmm. So why not view companies through a holistic lens so that CEOs and boards are more effective? What led you to embrace this particular type of leadership? That's a good question. So I've experienced companies really from many different angles. I've been employee of companies. I've been CEO seven times. Wow. I've been an owner, board member, chair of five boards. And now I've gotten the opportunity to advise hundreds of companies over the years. Okay, and so you've been there and done that. Right? Yes, I've been there, done that from all different angles. Yeah. <laughs> so it was six years ago when I first realized that boards and CEOs were really only seeing part of the story. Mm-hmm. They weren't looking at their companies holistically. Let's say a company's done the basics. They have their mission. They have their vision statements. And they have their core values, which theoretically should be incorporated in everything they do. You agree on core values as your guiding principles. So how do your core values help you think holistically about your business? Mm-hmm. Do your core values match with your business strategy? Secondly, you as the CEO and board How do you relate your holistic thinking to all of your stakeholders? It's not just about maximizing the value for your shareholders, but today it's about considering employees, communities, suppliers, and other stakeholders. If you were to create value today, maximize profits just for shareholders, at what cost would it be to other constituencies? Would you be willing to destroy your culture, destroy your environment, destroy your local community? Thinking holistically is focusing beyond the pure profits, which, as we know, is not a key motivator for employees in any survey ever do. It's values like honesty and integrity, which are core values. And the responsibilities of businesses today are more complex and demanding than ever. Well, Larry, you talk about looking at all the stakeholders, the wide range of stakeholders, and we've seen so often it's so easy to focus on one, two, three, maybe half a dozen, and not be able to pick up on some people that are really critical out there that can make or break our success, that can make or break how the world sees us. So you're spot on right there. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I, I mean, that has been a huge change over the years. I mean, you've seen it with the business roundtable now coming out. You've seen it with the Delaware court decision, Marshawn, saying you've got to consider all stakeholders. Right. And that's very different. You go back not that long ago. I mean, there were, you know, manufacturing companies that would pollute right into rivers Mm -hmm. and think nothing about it because they were focused on profitability only. Yeah, it's so important to go beyond that. And it's encouraging that there are more companies that are doing this. You've talked a lot so far about the benefits for boards and management teams adopting this holistic philosophy, daring to be holistic. (laughs) Can you share a brief story? 
So yeah, let me share some examples. Obviously, I won't say the names of the companies to protect them, but right. uh, let me give you just examples of boards and management teams adopting the philosophy. We had a company that acquired another company. So call it company A acquires company B. And in doing so, they didn't consider company B an integral part of company A. So again, thinking about from a holistic standpoint, right. they weren't mm-hmm. considering it as a whole. So what I, what I call the initial sightings of this, the initial sighting was when the CEO discussed the company, kept referring it as they. It was never we, it was just uh. they. And it wasn't just the first months. This went on for several years before we even got involved in this company. Company B employees were treated very differently than company A, even though they were supposedly part of and legally part of company A. So the values that were being lived at company A were not being reflected at company B. Mm. Then we found out the CEO hardly ever spent any time at company B, even though this was a significant acquisition for them. I mean, it represented 30% of their overall revenues. On top of that, the CEO then allocated, or I should say over-allocated, expenses to company B. And when it came to compensation, the CEO went to the board and recommended that management team of company A not even be responsible for company B. So how did we discover this? We discovered this by interviewing key management and middle management at company A and at company B. And then we recommended actions that would treat it as one company, not two. We had the CEO commit in writing to be there one day a week for company B. We had the CEO commit to referring to the company as we at all levels and no longer they. We had them include company B in the executive committee calls that were happening once a week, Monday mornings, they weren't even part of. We had other senior managers commit to visit company B, and we wanted them educated on the company A values. We ended the over-allocation, and we had all senior managers compensated on the company as a whole, not company A and B. So from a bigger picture perspective, did they have the right foundation in place? Did they have the right systems, the right processes? Could you even say they could do it to make it scalable to the next company? Why should employees have a different experience working for company B versus working for company A? I say, listen to the patient, check the pulse. You could also ask, did the CEO own the change? Did they, when they, they agreed to acquire this other company, which the CEO management team had done, did they own it? Did the CEO model the values to both companies? Clearly not. And everyone talks about high-performing companies, but is it high-performing if one division or one company suffers as a result of another? Larry, let me ask you, I mean, you brought people together and uh, just really quickly, was anybody surprised by the fact that there was such a division? So uh, company A or company B? Company A, everyone knew what was going on. For company B, Uh, They felt like they had been talked one thing when the acquisition was going on, but Mm -hmm. that the actions didn't reflect it. When the acquisition was going on, the due diligence, they talked about you're going to be part of a great company and great values Uh and on and on and on. That didn't happen. 
Okay, so we're going to pick up on this. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dig deeper with Larry Siff, CEO of Neptune Advisors and the C-Level community about daring to be holistic. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we focus on enabling visionary C-suite leaders to accelerate momentum for game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. To everyone listening, welcome. We're glad you joined us. Whether it's because you're a subscriber or you just found us wherever you pick up your podcasts. But there's a special reason to visit growthignitersradio.com. This is the only way you can access all of the previous podcast episodes from now six years. Right. It's also the only place you can find the unique show notes, bios, and resource links we put on each page to specifically relate to all of our podcast episodes. Subscribe today by going to growthignitersradio.com. Click on sign up now. And to learn more about us and Business Advancement Incorporated, go to businessadvance.com slash about us. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Larry Siff, CEO of Neptune Advisors and the C-Level Community, about daring to be holistic. Larry, how can people find out more about you, Neptune Advisors, and the C-Level Community? Several different ways. Uh, we have neptuneadvisors.com, so that has a lot of information on the website. We have C-Level Community. C-Level Community has over 400 members, and it is a password-protected website. Uh, but for that, we have experts every week, blogs every week, surveys every week. And then we also do a thought leadership series every other month in which we feature the top CEOs in the country being interviewed by Harvard Business School Professor One-on-One. And upcoming events include Colin Angle, the chairman, CEO, and president of iRobot, and the chairman of uh, Viacom, CBS, and, and um, Sherry Redstone. So those are two of our upcoming events we have. And also, I can connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Okay. And that's a lot of good information and insights for people to uh, be sure to take advantage of. You can also access a link to the resources relevant to our conversation by visiting growthignitersradio.com, episode 189, and scroll down under resources. So when we left off from the first segment, you were sharing the story of how there were challenges with Company A acquiring Company B, and some surprises that people have. It goes back to the whole issue of holistic leadership and how you were able to help them. What do you think was the key in this case to the board and management embracing the philosophy of holistic leadership that you're advocating? There has to be an advantage or they won't do it. Right. So there definitely has to be an advantage. In this case, we were able to get on the ground and see what was really happening. So one of the issues you have being on a board, and I've served on boards for over 35 years, I've chaired a lot of boards, is you're seeing things through the lens of how they want to present them to you. 
So mm-hmm. if, if you ask me, how can holistic insight be transformative? I can give you another good example sure. just in terms of that. So there was a senior vice president of sales and marketing who presented to the board how the company would grow share in different international markets. The board was supposed to make sound decisions, offer objective advice based upon the information that's being presented to them. But this information was a fairy tale. So we, as an advisor to the board, asked one of the independent board members to engage in further due diligence, meet with the senior vice president one-on-one, and ask some more questions about what was being presented. And we did this all with the CEO's permission. We weren't going behind the CEO's back, and nor we ever encouraged that. Right. Mm-hmm. The independent board member would then come back to the board with the findings. It turns out in the one-on-one meeting, the senior vice president admitted that the plan as described was totally unrealistic, that competition would have eaten their lunch, is what he described it, mm. in a number of these markets. Oh. But the CEO had encouraged the senior vice president to present it to the board in this way. In fact, how he would describe it is that, you know, showing he was afraid to show the thorns and not just the rose, right? Right, right. So we then, as the outside advisors, met with the CEO and discussed it with him and discussed with him the importance of being open, being transparent with the board. And as such, the result was the discussions at the board level were much more constructive. Mm -hmm. One board member said at the next board meeting at the end, this was the best board meeting we've had in years. So again, that the approach was holistic, right? Uh It wasn't just what was being presented and through that lens. It was actually taking it to the next level and making it so it was much more constructive going forward. So if you look at the walkaways, the senior vice president now would feel much more comfortable in front of the board saying, these are the real issues we're going to face as we expand internationally. And the CEO would also feel comfortable saying, tell the board this, tell them what the real issues are. So to me, it makes it better from both the management standpoint in a relationship and the board standpoint. So this holistic approach plays out sooner or later in top and bottom line results. It's it's hard business results that uh, wouldn't happen otherwise, right? Absolutely. And what you want is you want a level playing field. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you want everyone to feel like they can tell the board and the CEO and the senior management all be open and honest with each other. I've often said to CEOs, tell the board, these are my top three issues I'm facing. Mm -hmm. So if you go and actually interview individual board members after board meetings and ask them, what are the top three issues the company faces today? You will often hear very different answers. Mm -hmm. So that means to me that the CEO has not even communicated what the real issues are. That and also the issue of cognitive bias that you're describing, you know, you're filtering information. It, it all boils down to in some level trust, doesn't it? Yes. Trust, transparency and trust being you've got to feel like the purpose of any presentation to the board shouldn't be dog and pony shows. It shouldn't be, well, I'm trying to make this person look good in front of the board. The purpose should be, these are the pluses and minuses. These are the issues we face. These are the problems we face in trying to get the board involved and getting their input and feedback. 
That's why you have the expertise in the board. Don't have them just sit there so you can read through PowerPoint presentations for 30 pages or 180. <laughs> when you bring something up, you can deal with it. If you hide it, it's going to come out sideways. Right. Absolutely. Well, in all of that, of course, it's a respect, a mutual respect that you have to develop. At the same time, it can be easy to inadvertently overstep boundaries between boards and management. How do you avoid doing this and increase that trust and mutual respect? So I, I think you set the boundaries and the rules up front. There should be no surprises. The board member has to communicate with the CEO before the meeting, um, you know, before talking to management one-on-one. -on -one. They can't show up at factories or distribution centers unannounced. Mm -hmm. And for management, it's the same way. The CEO shouldn't surprise the head of distribution by just showing up at one of his or her facilities and asking questions. You want to be open. You want to be transparent. You want to make sure everyone knows that you're rowing in the same direction. We all want this company to be better. What can we do as individuals to make it better? And so everyone from the CEO, who's also a board member in the board, know that they've got to focus on going in the right direction. And the CEO should view the board as a partner, not an adversary here. The management team should look at the CEO as their partner. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be approaching us. I'm trying to catch you doing something wrong. Rather, they do it collectively. How do we make this company better? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So having that positive intent and clarifying what the roles are is really critical. That way they can work together to really increase value. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Larry Siff, CEO of Neptune Advisors and the C-Level community about immediately useful ideas for leading holistically. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. We've been speaking with Larry Siff about the power of leading with holistic insight. This fits together very well with our recent conversation with Peter Gleason, CEO of the National Association of Corporate Directors. We discuss highlights and recommendations from the 2019 NACD Blue Ribbon Commission report, Fit for the Future, an Urgent Imperative for Board Leadership. In light of the many emerging trends in the world that are impacting companies faster than ever, this report is especially relevant. To listen to our interview with Peter Gleason, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 189, and click on the link in the resources section. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Larry Siff, CEO of Neptune Advisors and the C-Level Community. Larry, how can people find out more about you and your organizations? You can go to neptuneadvisors.com. And also, if you're a member, you can go to clevelcommunity.com. You can come and join that. So those are both ways to, to find out more and also connect with me on LinkedIn. 
Great. And again, you can find links to Larry's article and the link to uh, Neptune Advisors as well by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 189, and scroll down under resources. So we're at the point now where we are talking about immediately useful ideas for boards and management to work more holistically and for management to encourage directors to go beyond the boardroom. Larry, let's start out with a first quick idea, uh, something concrete. Yeah, so I think idea number one would be have board meetings at different locations, not just the headquarters. Now, obviously, this is after COVID uh, when you can do that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you've got, if you're on a board and they have seven locations and all the meetings are just in one location, what message are you sending to the six other locations? True. Do you care about the other locations? There was another example of a company headquartered in the US, 90 plus percent of their operations were overseas, and yet all the board meetings were in the US. They didn't mm-hmm. even have representation from international on their board. So again, it's messaging and it's, you know, what message do you want to send across? and showing that you actually care and spending time. And then when you're going over to those other locations, spending time as the board visiting and talking to people. And when I say talk to people, that isn't just shake their hand and walk away. That's actually to talk to them and have an interaction. Very important. And these different locations can definitely be very, very different. Now, in the age of Zoom, I assume that maybe it helps a little bit then to be more inclusive. Yes. I mean, Zoom Zoom has changed and then COVID's obviously changed your ability to be able to do a lot of this. But there are other ways to have even more informal events at night, even if it's uh, wine and cheese or whatever with people. So more casual conversations where people still can feel engaged in other ways so they don't feel like it's just business, business, business. Yeah, this, this, all of this, the messaging, the engagement, it all affects emotions. And let's face it, people can think with their brain, I'm going to do one thing, but if you're not emotionally engaged and committed, ain't going to happen. So we think with our heads, act with our hearts. Right. Absolutely. Larry, how about a second very practical idea? Yeah. So again, if you're serving a board involved with a company, even a CEO, you know, visit wherever your product ends up. Mm-hmm. So if it's a retail, go to some of the retail stores. If it's e-commerce, buy some items, return them. See how your experience is. Experience it like a customer. Or even pre-COVID, attend a trade show. Walk around. Learn the industry. Attend some of the side sessions that are going on that are relevant. Because the more you become an expert in whatever you're doing, the more benefit you're going to bring to that board and to that company. That makes a lot of sense, Larry. Are you wanting people to know that you are associated with the company or is the idea to be sort of a mystery shopper? (laughs) Um, So the answer is it depends. You know, clearly, if you're going to attend a trade show, you let the CEO and the management team know that you're going to be attending the trade show Mm -hmm. um, and that you're going to be walking around or talking to other booths or saying, you know, if they ask what your relationship is, I would be... I would say, oh, I'm serving on the board of this company. So you wouldn't want to hide it. But at the same time, the more information you can find out about the industry, 
about the competition, Mm -hmm. you know, reading the trade journals, doing all that. Um, That's all, again, going to benefit ultimately the company. So, yes. When I go to trade shows, I can see so much of what's happening just at the booth, the way that people are engaging, and it tells a story all by itself. Yeah. I mean, I, over the years, I've been to a lot of trade shows and I even saw, you know, some of the first trade shows of companies and you could really see how engaged they were, even though companies which I went to Tommy Bahama's first trade show, it was literally one table. Wow. And, uh, you know, I could tell right away that they had addressed a market, uh, the men's market that other companies weren't addressing, even though they had one table there. Uh, not a booth, but literally a table. And I've seen this over the years, a number of companies. Um, I worked with eBay years ago on the B2B strategy, and they did their first show for power sellers out in California. And I attended that. And again, you saw how eBay at the time was just completely taking off. Wow. Hmm. That's, that's really something. So let's move to idea number three. We're on a roll. Oh, great. Uh, I think idea number three would be board members meeting with senior management one-on-one and looking for, in particular, what can we do better as a company? Mm -hmm. There could be no attribution. So I wouldn't suggest they meet with just one senior manager. Maybe they meet with three or four and they look for trends and patterns. You know, an example could be, because this is a real example, a, a board member met with one of the senior managers and found out that the executive committee meetings that they assumed as the board were occurring weekly didn't occur when the CEO wasn't around. So mm. if the CEO was traveling, they would go three, four weeks without an executive committee meeting. So that was one of the recommendations they came as a change. And they actually changed it so that if the CEO couldn't attend even remotely at the time, other senior management would be in charge of it. So what's really interesting and important here is that there wasn't a, oh, we're going to come down on you. You didn't do this thing. It was more, how can we adjust what's happening to acknowledge the reality that the CEO can't always be there, but we're going to make these important meetings happen? Yeah, it's it's really important, Pam, that you're emphasizing it's not a gotcha. Uh-huh. It's a, we are doing this in service of you, of, of our company the company that we're board members of or management of, and we want everybody to prosper and and do better. You're both right. And I mean, and and part of this reason is it's important to have a meeting of your executives once a week. You can't wait four weeks to find out what just happened, right? right? And so they were willing, you're right, it's not a gotcha. They were willing to adjust, but the consistency of it was very important. What was Mm -hmm. interesting is how much more the CEO actually called in remotely. So Uh they were able to have these meetings. He just was like, I'm traveling. We're not having it. The other frustration for people that we heard, uh, again, through the board that we advised is when the board members met with them, a number of the senior executives complained about this because they're like, every Monday morning, I set aside on my schedule and every Monday morning, it doesn't occur three out of the four Monday mornings. So that was frustrating for them because yeah. they said, if we knew it wasn't occurring, we would have done other things and scheduled other things. So mm-hmm. it was like a double whammy for them. So when people are open with each other and have that same intention of moving forward. And follow through. Transformation can happen. Larry, the time has just gone by. Some final thoughts you can share with us about 
really the benefits, I will say, of leading with holistic insight? Sure. So holistic philosophy is really seeing the whole. It's seeing the true situation and making better decisions armed with this information. And it will optimize the company's growth and long-term value and serving all the stakeholders. And the key, as with any philosophy, is really getting the buy-in. You want to get the buy-in from the board and management. They have to understand the relevancy and the importance of looking at a company from a holistic lens. They have to believe that the whole is worth more than the parts. And the key is leveraging across all the divisions and tying it to the overall company, sort of connecting all the dots. Great. Larry, thanks for being our guest on Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you for having me. Larry, it's a pleasure. And thank you so much. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 189. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your leadership team. How can we increase the alignment of our board and management so we can gain and use holistic insight as we lead our company for transformational growth? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.